This is Marin Hogan with Red Branch Media, and you're listening to Dr. Bob Nolly and Labrador Leadership. Yes, we are. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. Now, here's Bob. I can't believe it. Oh, my God. Spring has come. Spring has sprung. Can't believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 24 of the Labrador Leadership Podcast. Alex, is it spring where you are? <laughs> no. Oh, no. You've got to be kidding. <laughs> we're starting to get sunny days, but, you know, it's not It's not anything like we're, you're having down south. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have bought it up. Yeah. Should we know, reboot? I'll start again. No, I'm so sorry. No. I thought it was happening. Oh, no, I wish. It'll come. It'll come. It'll oh, happen. my gosh. Uh, we just, uh, you know, we just, Dave, Dave Aaron's interview just hit a couple of shows back and yeah, I was, he was saying there's so much snow there. The Red Sox will never come North. Oh, it was just horrible. <laughs> that was just, that was just a mess. So how are things going in the real world? Um, you know, chugging along, chugging along. This is sort of the season for, um, for change in New York city. You know, everyone I know is sort of starting to get antsy in their, um, either in their positions or, you know, in, in their lives in general. So, you know, you see a lot of um, people sort of starting to wheel and deal their way into new situations or um, new positions. So it's, it's cool. Um, it's really, it's really fun to kind of sit back and watch everybody that you're surrounded by, um, you know, try to prepare themselves for the spring season, which is hiring season up here. So, yeah. So, you know, that brings up a good point. And we've mentioned this in a couple of earlier episodes, uh, the whole concept of uh, negotiation. And and I don't mean, you know, working for the State Department and being brought to the table to, you know, determine the future of the free world, but just mm-hmm. things that happen during the normal course of the day. And maybe that's worth mentioning today as well. And there'll be some good nuggets that we can serve up for folks to take away. Uh, you know. When you say negotiation, lots of times it comes up like that big event, like you mentioned, like real hardball kind of stuff. Yeah. That, you know, if if I win, you have to lose. <laughs> and uh, I, there's a concept there about the difference between value claiming and value creation. And that kind of, you know, you know zero-sum game is that's, – that's when you've got to claim value. And, and sometimes – when you're in that kind of negotiation, that's the way it has to happen. Like if there's, you know, you can only cut the pie into so many slices. The pie is only so big. And you have to, you want the most, the biggest part of it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Uh, and then, you know, salary negotiations could be like that if you're just talking about the dollar amount. Of course, there are other wrinkles to that as well that make it a little broader. But that that's that can be really tough type of negotiation when you're you know claiming value. That's you know that usually gets the tag of being distributive bargaining. Mm-hmm. But the other side of it, the other side of it is uh, value creation or integrative bargaining. So when the other party is at the table, so to speak, with you, uh, you have the opportunity to not claim value but to actually create value. 
And the skill I think you need to have is to recognize the situations that require more than one or the other. And how would you do that? You know, you kind of start thinking about the issue and are there differences in the interests between the two of you? Do you, uh, is your vision for the future or the final outcome different? What's your preference in terms of risk? How risk averse are you? What, what does time play? Do you need it sooner rather than later? And all of those things determine whether you are looking at the issue as being one of, uh, one of creating value or one of claiming value. And in the workplace, uh, more often than not, the issue is one in a team perspective of one of, of trying to create value and find the win-win situation. And that, that seems to make more sense because rarely in the, in the team situation like that do you see it's you or me, buddy, one way or the other. One of us is going down. Right. But when you negotiate with somebody outside of the organization, you know, that, that can be a bit more, you know, occur more frequently. I guess it's harder to um, kind of establish a compromise, especially when you don't have, there's not one common interest. And you see this a lot with, um, you know, two large companies merging. So you have then two separate, um, I guess, communities, two separate cultures of, of business. And then when you come, come together and you merge, there's this huge state of negotiation where, you know, a lot of times completely, you know, change the the status of the merger just because you aren't, you don't have, yeah, you know that you're going to come together. You have, but you have two separate cultures and now you have to have one common sort of idea. And so that's how I always kind of think about negotiation is in that sense. And maybe that's just some strange consulting brain that I have, but you know, I, I always kind of think of, uh, of negotiation, um, being when you kind of have these two exterior forces rather than um, two forces within the same, um, you know, umbrella, if you will. Sure. Yeah. That's a, that's great. That's a good one. Very good. Uh, so when you're value, when you're value claiming you, you, here's the message rolling around your head. I want it all, you know, and I want it now. And you might fall into the good cop, bad cop role and start dropping ultimatums. And that just is not, you know, that's not where you want to be. It generally. doesn't work when you're a little kid with your siblings. You know, it's not going to work in business. <laughs> I was held hostage by my siblings. Holy oh, me, I was the baby of four. There was a lot of hostage situations. Believe me. Well, every um, time, yeah, I was the oldest one, and you know, I, I think I've said this before. I was the senior executive child, and uh, <laughs> boy, if they hear this now, they're going to hate it. They're flinching now, right? They're hearing that, <laughs> but that made them be very strategic and more tactical and. Yeah. When they had, well, you know, Trey, we're going to have to. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm so good with negotiation. I watched my parents not let my three older siblings get away with anything my entire life. And then I got really good at figuring out the way to get what I wanted, you know? Yeah. 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 There it is. My dad's laughing somewhere right now. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to create value and use the integrative approach, you know, get your vision going and separate the people from the problem. Focus on the problem. Look at the interests and not the positions and 
and get your creative juices flowing so you can look for ways to find, you know, mutual gains. And as you sit at the table with someone, you want to, you want to use, you know, metrics or criteria that are objective and, you know, much, much less emotional. And also that translate to, you have to really do your research with who you're going into a negotiation with. You want, you want your goals to kind of translate in a, a cohesive fashion with theirs. So you want to find what, what their, you know, what their goals are going to be. And you're going to try to have to meet them halfway, but you really have to put in the, the legwork on that. You can't come into it not knowing, okay, who is this particular person? Who is this company that they stand behind? What do, um, you know, what does their company, you know, believe in what's their mission and that kind of thing. So it's, and again, this is, you know, when two separate cultures are kind of coming together to negotiate. But I really do feel like the basis of all negotiations should be that research, but I, which I don't think a lot of people uh, really recognize. No, they don't. And it's a difficult. In fact, that's that's part of the emotion of it all. The emotion kind of clouds your perspective, or excuse me, it can cloud your perspective so much to the point that you can't really clearly, as clearly and as quickly discern the issues that you probably should be focusing on. Absolutely. So the conflict that arises here, you know, if there's one takeaway from the discussion today, and if we talk about this more down the road, when you're in conflict and negotiation with someone else, the, if to just distill it to the, to the barest, the cleanest minimum, you only care about two things. And those things are these. You, clear, you care about how much you care about the issue and how much you care about the other person. And when you get a read on that, and when you stop and take the breath and determine that, then you kind of know what strategies are available to you. And, and here's an example. If you, uh, if you don't care a lot about the party on the other side and you don't care a lot about the issue, then, you know, you're wasting time already. I mean, you should, you should just walk away from it because it's a trivial issue. Mm -hmm. And then any, any dysfunction to the relationship that comes out of the conflict is just counter to your own productivity. So, you know, the whole, that, that is just something to avoid and walk away from completely. And that's, that's tough for some people to swallow. I think that want to, you can hear people now with their chest inflating, drawing a deep breath and no, I'm going to take a stand for what's important to me. Well, that's different because it's important to you, but if right. it's not important to you and you have no value on the relationship with that person there, then just walk away from it and don't create the dysfunctionality that's going to occur here. Yeah, you have to really pick your battles. Yeah. On the other hand, what if you care about the, uh, you, you really want to satisfy your needs for the issue? You really, you know, you, you have concern about the outcomes for the other person. You have concern about their own outcomes and not so much about your own. Think about that. You have some concern for the other outcome and not so much about your own. Well, throw in the towel 
and yield. Because, you know, you could be wrong. That's where this comes from. You, you could be wrong. And if you have more concern for the outcomes of the others than you do for your own, then, you know, yield. Because it's more important to them than it is to you. You just and, have to really pick your battles. Yeah, and you know where you see this a lot? I, I've seen this in, uh, in religious institutions, churches, for example. Okay. And where people that are, are raised to be, uh, to be f- f- for example, somebody that's very tolerant and supportive, if there's an issue on the table that they really want, they, they will walk away first because they care more for the other person than they will for the issue. They'll stand there and they'll make their points and they, you know, they, they hope the chips fall their way, but their way, but the value on the relationship with the other person is so important that they'll just, they'll walk away from it. And sometimes that's, that's how churches have a problem moving forward because of that mindset. Absolutely. And you know, think a lot of it is, you know, um, it, as a, you know, and this kind of relates to what you just said, you know, as a culture changes, whether it's within a company or within a business structure or even in a business relationship, you really have to adapt. And I think that, you know, that is, you have to realize the difference between adaptation and growing and, you know, things that you need to go in with a hard negotiation about. Yeah. Now let's, let's flip the, to the other corner for a minute and talk about when you really go in there with a very, very high level of concern about your own outcomes and you don't give a hoot about the outcomes that the other person achieves. So you care a lot about the outcomes and maybe not so much about the relationship. You go in there and and just want to be very contending and contentious and just dominate the whole issue. Uh, and, And that can be appropriate. And it's appropriate if the issue in of itself is kind of trivial, you know, when you, you may not want to spend too much time on it, but it's also appropriate if you need a speedy, speedy decision, you know, when it's, you're in crisis mode and a bit of a siege mentality and you need a decision, you just have to, you just have to make the decision quickly. Yeah. And you know, I'd never actually thought about it like that. Yeah, it, it, especially it can, in crisis and that kind of thing. Like, you know, you think you hear so much about what goes on in, um, you know, levels of a crisis and crisis communication and, and styles and that kind of thing. I never really thought about it um, as a negotiation of sorts, but I suppose you're actually right. I mean, especially you have a there's a, a crisis and a large, a large organization, you know, you need those those decisions made quickly and a lot of people don't prepare and that's a real problem is, you know, that's when it comes down to, we didn't prepare for a crisis. We didn't kind of troubleshoot for what possible things could happen. And now we have to think on our feet. So, you know, a lot of times I guess a, a leader or, um, you know, a a consultant of sorts could come in and say, well, you have to make this decision. Now I feel very strongly that you should do it things this way. Yeah, so particularly if if you are the leader and your team is uh is very assertive and you've probably trained them to be that way. 
But in this issue, you need to overcome them. Why? Because you need the speedy decision or the issue's trivial. And you just need to be totally dominating and go, okay, we're done here. You know, I, I don't care what you think about me in this moment about this issue. It needs to get done. And we're wasting time. You know, you know, one thing uh, I've heard leaders say a lot is, you know, they just put a value on everyone's time. And, you know, it's it's just a ballpark figure, whether it's, you know, $50 an hour or $100 an hour. And when you have 10 people in a meeting or 15 people and you spend two hours talking about something and you go, okay, we just spent $5,000 you know, thinking about this and then yeah. everybody kind of groans and then you can, you can get to the decision, but this contending, <laughs> this dominating is also, you know, important if it's very important to you, if it's very important to you. So if you have these support, these subordinates that, you know, are, are very assertive or perhaps maybe they lack the expertise to make the decision and the clock is running and you need this, you just got to go, no, it's going to be this way. It's going to be this way. So we've kind of looked at two extremes there with the one in the middle while you didn't care about your own outcomes. You didn't care about the other ones elsewhere. So you just kind of walk away with it. But now what if you want to care? You're, you do have some skin in the game. You you want to move your own cause forward, but you also care about the outcome that the the others achieve. There, It calls for some compromising. Okay. And... uh it, you know, you really have to get creative when you have that conversation. Uh, and you could, you could do this when, uh, when the goals, when your goals are, are exclusive, there can be some overlap, but when, what you all really want is something different. It's not the same thing. It's not the same piece of the pie that puts you in value claiming mode. You can have the conversations to make that happen. You know, if you are both, you know, equally powerful and you and you are willing to spend the time to drive toward consensus, particularly complex issues, you know, simple, simple issues that need a quick answer. This isn't going to happen here, but really complex issues where you can brainstorm and synthesize ideas to come up with better solutions then you've really, you're almost literally creating value then. Uh, and, but you have to have the time to do it. And you can't do it on your own. You need the other party there. And you need to get them engaged. Maybe each of you have resources that uh, that you all need. You know, that's it's very integrative and very complicated and time-consuming and complex issues. Uh, so, you know, if it's a simple problem, no, that's totally inappropriate then. But when you have the opportunity to create value, it's a, it could be important. So this all happens to us at muzzle velocity. I mean, totally at muzzle velocity. So we have to make the judgment as to whether or not we're going to try to create value. Is it that big a deal? Or we're just going to claim value and use the hardball tactics. And maybe we talk more about this later. Um, and just determining that perspective. And then the only two things you care about, you know, it's almost like uh, put it up, put it on a pair of axes, put it on a graph. How much do you care about their, your own concerns? How much do you care about the outcome? And 
And when you get a read, an internal read on that, you know just just how far you're going to chase it and how hard you're going to chase it and how you're going to behave at the table. You know, if, if you all, if you go out and think about, uh, what's a great example that, you know, a lot of folks listening can, you know, when you go, when you go out to buy a car, okay, here we go. You go out to buy a car, whether you're at a dealership or you're looking at a one ad, not a one ad, an ad in a, you know, you see in the newspaper, some guy selling a used car. You know, you can be intimidated by what's going on at the dealership. And the dealership's got all the wheels moving in place. And they can make money off of you on the financing. They make money off of you on the trade-in. And they make money off of you on the sale of the car. And they know what all the pieces are to that. And they're willing to give you something on one, but to make their money on the other. And that's fine. That's fine. But you need to be able to sit there and say, no, I need this. And if the deal breaks down, you need to know what you're willing to walk away from. That That's a key concept as well. I think it's been called the BATNA. <laughs> what, now, why do they call it that? Uh, it's best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Ooh. The BATNA. It sounds like Batman. No, it's BATNA. B-A-T-N-A. And BATNA is the best alternative you have to walk away. So you need to know if you're going to walk away what your next best alternative is. And in the car scenario right there, if they're saying, no, we can't give you a better rate. No, we can't go 72 months. No, we can't go lower than the price. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I have some nice friends that have been in the business and, you know, and they're good folks. I've, you know, seen some pretty sleazy, I think we all, you know, have seen practices in the business as well. Notice I didn't see people, I just said practices. So you just need to know, walk away and go to another dealership. You know, this is where you get in trouble if you go, oh, look at that new model and it's got the color I want. You know, you know you're in trouble there because they've got you. <laughs> Uh, if you're just talking about it in the used car market and you go, hey, this guy's selling his truck for this amount, and you go over there, look at it, and take a test drive, then you can go, will you take this for it? And you need to know what your best alternative is, even in that situation. And he's going to go, no, it's a $7,000 firm. Go, really? So if I say $68,000, you are going to say no. And a lot of this, you know, that's even in the in the in the auto lots now at the dealerships. They uh they go there's no no haggle price and this is the price. Well, is that good for you or not? I'm not so sure. Maybe they're just tagging down that number of the equation, and you uh -huh. know, well, you know, there, there's movement on the trade in number and the financing number as well. I mean, well, how many times in your life to go and buy a new car? You start higher than you'll take, and then you know you you trick people into thinking that you're compromising, but you inflated the price, knowing that this eventual negotiation, and that's a lot of times you know you see that in in negotiations in in an organization, someone will come in real firm on a topic, knowing that they can comfortably meet the the opponent halfway, and and still get exactly what they wanted, but you know they come off like a hard ass. Knowing that, yeah, you know, I'll start, I'll start firm and then I'll really, you know, I'll meet them where I actually want them. That's right. And then they think that I'm, 
you know, really, really, you know, coming down on either my price or my ideology or, or my needs. And, you know, you see that a lot with, um, with, you know, salary negotiations and that kind of thing, but you kind of see it everywhere, especially in the used car market. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, but you know, that's, that's a good thing. Cause I sit here now and I talk about, you know, I made the point that the most important thing I wanted you, everyone to have their hands around is those two things, how much you care about your own outcomes, how much you care about the outcomes of the others and that being the relationship. But now the whole issue of the BATNA becomes important. You know, you need to know where you're going to go if you say, no, I can't do it. I'm sorry. So that's something to think about. So I hope uh, I've given everybody a headache here today. Yeah, you know, it's not, it's, um, it's not the most exciting thing that we've ever spoken about. But, you know, people should, people should uh, at least um, relate to it. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so as well. Hey, it's been episode 24 of the Labrador Leadership Podcast. Show notes will be at labradorleadership.com.24. So uh, next time, you know you know what I want to talk about next time? We, we keep what? seeing this. I've, 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 I've teased this. I haven't really teased this. Next time we're going to talk about uh, – I want to go back to the core leadership, but I've mentioned in, in some of the interviews we've done the whole concept of servant leadership. So we're going to talk more about that next time we get together. All and, right. uh, you know, it, there's been a lot written about it. And I just want people to be able to get their hands around it a little bit more. So we'll do that next time. How does that sound? I'll, I'll get my hands around it before next week. As well. uh, yeah, I'll get my hands around it as well. Hey, okay. folks, have a great okay. week. Be good to one another. See you. Alex, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. For the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. Connect with us on our website at labradorleadership.com, on Facebook at Labrador Leadership, and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob. Okay, folks, thanks for listening. Please find us on the website. Hit the big orange button to join the conversation and like us on Facebook. And uh, there's no negotiating there at all. Just get out there and do it. Have a great week. See ya.